This is a Federal News Network podcast. Threats to the United States have increasingly a technology component. That's because the nation is ever more dependent on information technology for daily life at work and at home. Now, a study sponsored by the Brookings Institution has several recommendations for reforming the National Security Council. Reforms it's urging the Biden administration to consider. Here with a summary, study co-author Zoe Weinberg. Ms. Weinberg, good to have you on. Appreciate it, Tom. Thanks for inviting me. First of all, give us the sense of the background here. I mean, technology has always been part of national security threats, I guess, ever since the Soviets developed their own atom bomb. So what's different today? You know, Tom, we find ourselves today at a point in history in which the nature of conflict is shifting so profoundly that in many ways, our old tools for understanding the challenges are just misaligned with the new reality. Today, technological control, surveillance, information access, those have really become the weapons in this next era of conflict. And we're already seeing this play out in the form of cyber attacks, the spread of disinformation, stolen intellectual property, and the subversion of democratic institutions via social media. You're right that, of course, technology has long played a part in shaping the security landscape. And I do think that leads some to say, you know, maybe there's nothing new here. And to some extent, I think there's truth to that. But, you know, in this case, the scale, the velocity, the extent of technological development is really unprecedented. And unlike in the past, many of these technologies today are widely available to the public. They're not developed in a classified setting or or military setting. So it's both a moving target and the risks are pervasive. And let's talk about the National Security Council for a moment, because I'm not sure people know exactly what it does, except sit around and meet, and then everyone goes and gets a great consulting job when they leave. (laughs) So the National Security Council, the NSC, is widely considered the most powerful decision-making body inside the executive branch's security apparatus among those who are sort of government insiders. It's charged with advising the president on military strategy, statecraft, diplomacy, and it's responsible for coordinating between all of the government's different intelligence and defense bodies. Brent Scowcroft, who served as national security advisor for Presidents Ford and Bush, is really credited with creating the modern-day NSC and and positioning it as an honest broker of sorts among all of the other security-related institutions. Okay, I was going to say once every 10 times they actually get things right, too, so (laughs) I guess they're batting pretty well. In its present form, you are arguing that the NSC is not quite structured in the best way to take on this new technologically-based, and as you point out, it's not just coming from one or two countries, but it's broadly available, these threats that can be aimed at anywhere by anybody, and that the NSC isn't really equipped to take on that challenge. So you've offered a couple of choices for how this might be remedied. Let's talk about how the council itself could be reformed. You know, Tom, there are a lot of changes that are currently in motion in the new administration. So I think it would be a bit premature to comment there, as I suspect we'll be learning more in the coming weeks and months and don't currently have a full picture. But you're right, historically, no, the the NSC has not been configured to take on these challenges. We spoke to over 25 NSC staffers, other policymakers, academics about this subject, and all of them said that the NSC hadn't quite gotten it right. And so we've offered sort of a, a menu of different possible reform options. The NSC in general is organized into different directorates that are focused on different regions or issue areas. 
under the Obama administration, a new cyber directorate was created, and that was a great first step. But there's a lot of technology-related security threats that are not cyber threats. And a lot of the people we interviewed told us that efforts to cover those non-cyber topics, could be quantum or blockchain, often end up being taken up on, on more of an ad hoc basis. There also wasn't enough technical expertise on staff, and there were few ways to sort of systematically compare notes with the private sector. So oftentimes issues slip through the cracks. All right. So the idea of a new directorate for the non-cyber type things, though, that adds complexity then too, doesn't it? It does. We sort of thought that it was important to start from first principles and really think about what should these reforms be trying to accomplish before just creating new entities and new positions. We came up with a handful of criteria, some of which I'll share, but one is, you know, ensuring that the White House recognizes the urgency of emerging threats from technology. The reality is that it's hard to maintain focus on these issues. The NSC is often fighting fires every day, dealing with the most pressing security issues, whatever's making headlines on the news. And often these technology risks are looming on the horizon. They don't always present as the most urgent So we thought it was important for the structure to reflect a real intention to ensure that these threats don't get lost or deprioritized. The other things we we hoped that a reform would accomplish would be about bringing uh, tech expertise to bear on these challenges and also ensuring good coordination at both the White House and the interagency level. We're speaking with Zoe Weinberg. She's co-author of a Brookings study on technology threats, and she's a fellow at Schmidt Futures. And then the other kind of basic policy option that you offer is to increase the threat dealing capability at the federal agency level. And somehow then that could be coordinated through the National Security Council, but there'd be more muscular ability spread throughout the government. Describe that option for us. So another strategy for incorporating emerging technology into security decision making would be to focus on building expertise across the executive branch. And in that case, maybe the NSC would occupy more of a supporting role rather than taking the lead. So under this more decentralized approach, the center of gravity on particular issues would really sit in specific departments and agencies with relevant expertise, which would allow for some ground up coordination and may ultimately improve connectivity between the NSC and the agencies. Yeah. And then when one agency is hit, it would maybe know what to do and you wouldn't have this scramble that we seem to have every time something goes wrong. Yep, I think that's right. And they're also, you know, they're not mutually exclusive reform options. I mean, you could argue that in one approach, the emphasis is sort of on top-down leadership and on the other, it's bottoms up. But it is possible to enact reforms along both lines and they are complementary. In calling for a holistic review of the National Security Council, The question is, who's best to do that? Because very few organizations are really good at assessing themselves. Is this something that Congress should undertake or should there be some kind of external commission to look at this? Or how do you how do you get the ball rolling here on reforming something like National Security Council? You know, the National Security Council itself and its configuration, there's a lot of leeway in the White House itself. There's only uh, sort of limited congressional direction or guidance on the the shape and the form of the NSC. So it really is the White House that's in the best position to sort of think about how to reconfigure it. That being said, there have been efforts across government to think about how we might best position ourselves to tackle different technology areas. 
I worked for a period on the uh, National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence, which is doing just that type of analysis specifically for AI, but looking both at the agency and department level as well as looking at the White House. And the interesting irony here is that the types of threats that the NSC is most capable of dealing with have actually never occurred, say, nuclear attack or some kind of a frontal attack on the United States, maybe 9-11, but that was one time in, what, 75 years, whereas the issues you're dealing with now, cyber attacks, but beyond cyber, as you point out, theft of intellectual property, that kind of thing happens daily. It happens daily, and it happens both against the public sector, but also in the private sector. So whereas nuclear threats are sort of limited to state conflict, I think what we're seeing with new technology is that these threats are increasingly diffuse, they're privatized, they are transnational, they are both impacting and are executed by civilians at at sort of equal pace. So it is a very, very different and complex security landscape. So in some ways, 9-11 is a pretty good model when you think of who was attacked and who did the attacking. I I don't know that it's the best analogy because I think different areas of technological threats have a very different profile. So looking at our competitiveness in quantum is very different than looking at disinformation operations, which is part of the reason that we think that a new directorate focused on emerging technology should have as one of its key features an ability to just constantly be scanning the horizon for different potential emerging threats and trying to stay one step ahead of it. They might be the only group then, when we're done with this, to be able to take on Facebook. That might be right. And another challenge that actually was raised many times among folks we spoke to is that there needs to be more connectivity on the security side between government and private sector companies so that they're able to sort of compare notes in an open way and talk about what they're seeing. Some of that exists, but many folks thought that that's something where there could really be more progress and uh, efforts could be bulked up. Zoe Weinberg is co-author of a Brookings study on technology threats and a fellow at Schmidt Futures. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Tom. We'll post this interview along with a link to that paper at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.